the Joe Momo Presents Calgary Leader Series. Welcome to the podcast, Naraj. Thank you. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. Obviously, you're the Chief Strategy Officer at Adabotics, and also you're deeply involved in the entrepreneur community here in Calgary. Um, but before we get into all of that, perhaps give us a little backstory, who you are and uh, what you're up to. Yeah. Um, so born and brought up in India. Uh, studied my initial engineering in India, then went on to do my master's in Sweden. Uh, then in between also I did uh, uh, um, uh, a kind of a management uh, degree from UCLA Anderson School of Management. Um, uh, I was very accidental entrepreneur, uh, but I never worked for any company initially. So I started my first company, which is still running. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, had gone through the entire cycle of ups and downs in entrepreneurship. Uh, I struggled for seven years. When I started making money, uh, I was not sure what to do with that money, so became an entrepreneur, became an angel investor, started investing money, uh, burned my fingers again, learned a lot of things in that, became a seasoned uh, angel investor. When I started investing, I said, okay, can 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 I look at the ecosystem? 2013 started one of the incubators in India and Europe and made it one of the biggest. We had 5,600 startups. Then got into legal tech space, created an ecosystem called Locubator, which was definitely something with at that point of time at the initial stage, but then for the last four years, you might have seen a lot of good startups coming in. Um, shifted to Canada one and a half years back, uh, became part of the ecosystem, found that, and I was I was traveling across the globe. I'm more like a global citizen in that nature and, uh, uh, and very well networked. So found Canada to be very peculiar in terms of innovation index among top 10 countries and entrepreneurship index among top 10 countries. It's a lethal combination. And, uh, and you know, uh, have been part of the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Calgary, Alberta, and Canada, um, and been part of uh, ecosystems in Ireland, in Sweden, in Israel, Switzerland, and US, and India, of course. So, so kind of very interesting. Uh, when I became part of Adobotics, this is one of the startups which everybody is looking forward to to become successful, frankly. And uh, it's into hardware space, like robotic space, plus a lot of analytics and very interesting opportunity uh, over here. Uh, found it extremely, extremely interesting. And the team is awesome, management team is awesome, concept is awesome. So I'm, uh, I'm part of it and I'm able to contribute to it as well. No, that's really awesome. Actually, one thing that really um, struck me, and I would love to pick your brain on this, was um, you mentioned that you're an angel investor. Yeah. And obviously, a lot of the audience listening are entrepreneurs or even ins uh, aspiring entrepreneurs. So I'm curious, uh, from your perspective, Naraj, what's a unique skill that you look for in an entrepreneur that you're going to invest in? Um, so there's a very important aspect which we need to understand. Yeah, investment aspect. Invest has different stages and every investor be it angel uh, seed level or pre-series AVCs do bring a different kind of skill sets and requirements 
I am at the stage where I, I do invest in early stage tech driven businesses. I look for companies which are between two to $5 million valuation. I don't invest if you're less than 2 million. I don't invest if you're more than 5 million. That's a sweet spot for me. I have a thumb rule. I don't take sweat equity uh, unless I invest in your company. So that's another thing. Uh, when I look at uh, the entrepreneur from my side of things, at the early stage, what entrepreneur wants it is something wherein, okay, I have a concept or a beta or MVP. I have a couple of validation. Now from here, where do I go? And in order to go wherever I want to, I need money because I, of course, I'm not able to generate enough revenue to, to go to the next stage. A part of it is valuation. A part of it connects to the valuation is revenue your ability to sell product and your ability to grow your organization and think beyond what's just a need right now. So I always uh, have this, this thing called physics, chemistry, and maths. For me, the first thing is, is to understand physics. Physics means what domain are you in? Because I uh, invest in tech in, in, in the areas which I do understand, like med tech or supply chain tech and these kind of areas. So, and around across AI, machine learning, analytics, and these kind of deep technologies. So for me, physics is important. Can I understand? For example, I don't understand probably um, pharmaceutical. So for me, that doesn't work. So for me, the first thing is, is I should be able to see if I understand that business not because of the opportunity side, but because I understand that business. So that's first. Then the chemistry comes into picture. I mean, it is extremely important for me to understand the founders, understand what their goals are, understand their pain points, and understand if they are capable of doing things. So that's a chemistry. And then the last comes uh, uh, mathematics, where we start looking at the valuation and revenue. So, so I look at all these three aspects but first is physics second is chemistry and third is mathematics however i always tell them that that's my formula but investors should also have the similar formula for uh, or sorry entrepreneurs should have a similar formula for investors they should first of all understand whether investors do understand the domain part of it then the chemistry because early stage investors and late in, late stage investors they will be a lot of times kind of issues, so to say. And that's where the chemistry of that angel or that investor is extremely important to understand. And then the mathematics part, what kind of a philosophy these investors bring in. So I think this is extremely important understanding. Most of the times investor is so much busy with things that the only thing he can think of is money. Can somebody invest in, in me? Can somebody bring in 100,000, 200,000, half a million? or million dollars. Uh, that's a wrong approach because I always say the problems don't start when you are failing. Problem actually starts when you are becoming successful because you will talk about next stage of investors. You'll have to set up a board. You have to do hundred different things. And that's where suddenly previously, whatever things you may have done wrong may start haunting you. Mm, absolutely. One thing that I found um, that's happening uh, with the whole um, interest in entrepreneurship, obviously with shows like the Shark Tank and all shows like that, 
Um, there's a huge interest in entrepreneurship right now. Um, and I was just curious, what's, what, what's, what'd be one piece of advice you'd give to entrepreneurs? Obviously you've had your own journey and successful journey. So, um, if you could boil it down to one piece of good advice, what would you, what would you say? You should actually understand the stakeholder who is go going to buy your product. It may be a company, but within company, who's going to buy it? You should not say, oh, I have a B2B business. I have a HRMS platform. So everybody will buy it. It may be the HR head who's going to buy that thing within that organization. So one piece of advice is while they can be market, you need to understand within the organization or if it is B2C, who is the actual person who will buy your product and sign it. In B2C, somebody will pay for it directly, but in B2B, within business, who is going to buy this? So that's one piece of advice which every entrepreneur should know. Understand who within the organization and who as the individual, if you have a B2C model, is going to buy your product. Absolutely. Speaking of buying, I'm curious, you said you're an angel investor and I'm curious, has there been, from what maybe you can share, has there been any companies or even entrepreneurs that you've really admired or even had the successful exits? I do admire a lot of companies, even when there have been successful exits, because early stage entrepreneurs, successful exit may be the next or next to next round. Mm -hmm. um, uh, maybe some point of time you may go up to the stage where company get may get acquired or maybe at early stage get acquired but i also admire companies which have failed but have done everything right uh, it's not just just the science but also a lot of luck which you require but in all those companies one of the important aspect which i have seen is clear communication between the stakeholders investors and the founders because investors can also help you and you need to take help of investors. But there has to be a clear communication among all of them. That's number one. So I really value those people. Uh, but at the same time, I really value these entrepreneurs because, uh, because they are hustlers. They, they, they have, and whomsoever I've got involved with, many of them have been not only passionate about things, but they always understand that beyond certain stage, their ability to execute certain business model or development will get stuck. So they also very quickly understand that they always have to hire smarter people than, than what they are. So that's why I really appreciate those people. And I, I really appreciate what they have done in terms of uh, understanding the market, developing the product, and also understanding the each stage of that uh, startup life cycle. Absolutely. Stepping back a little bit, you mentioned that um, you started a company so early on in your career that um, I'm curious, what, what sort of resources have really helped you along the way to have that sustaining, successful uh, entrepreneurship journey? My first one was, um, uh, so my first company was a failure. In one and a half years, whatever could go wrong had gone wrong. Oh. You know? And I failed. But that gave me so much, so much uh, experience that I, even if I was successful, I wouldn't have got that kind of experience. That one and a half years taught me a lot of things. But at each stage, 
I got number one a very good co-founder. That's one of the most important aspect. Your co-founder has to be aligned with what you are doing. You know, they they will have a different personalities and everything, but at the end of the day, one thing where everybody would agree is that startup what you're working on. So, the co-founders played a very important role in my life. That's number one. Number two, mentors and advisors. I got. The reason why I'm very passionate about contributing to the entrepreneurial ecosystem is because at very early stage, I had kind of advisors and mentors. And back then, the concept of advisors and mentors were not so evident and prudent. Like, oh, you know, there are advisors and mentors. And I'm, I always used to think, why the hell this guy is helping me? I mean, what does he want? <laughs> and he never asked for anything. And I'm like, I don't understand you guys. But they were like, they were always supportive of. Uh, of everything so and and i always say that mentors you need mentors for each phase you may require a mentor for global expansion you may require a mentor for understanding the equity model you may require uh, a mentor for business development so you can have multiple mentors and i was very fortunate to have the right kind of a mentoring and then the third was i was extremely lucky to be very frank so these are the three things which played very important role in in my entrepreneurial journey uh, of course i was also extremely selective towards a good hiring uh, you know plan like i i think it was extremely important for me to connect to the person and understand what he or she brings into the table and till today also whenever we hire even in, at atabotics and all we are ex- we kind of try and understand every hire their objectives and perceptions about what they want to achieve and that's where i think i've been good in um, in selecting the good right kind of uh, uh, you know colleagues in the organizations i've i've been part of so yeah and i i have had a very good experience in hr and i was part of uh, i had co-founded an hr company which got acquired so um so uh, that also helped me in this particular aspect that's that's great um one thing that i'm i'm really curious about is uh, you mentioned finding that co-founder that's really going to um pioneer your vision um you always hear that get a co-founder that complements your skills and you don't have necessarily the same skills but uh, different skills but um from your perspective naraj how or how do you go about finding that co-founder um there are two levels to it personal and professional you know co-founder is the one on the personal level is somebody who understands you you know uh, entrepreneurship is extremely tough you'll go through a lot of uh, mental ups and downs a lot and you cannot always rely on your family to understand everything you know so co-founder at the personal level is the one who understands you who understand what you have gone through a lot of good entrepreneurs are a bit crazy in a positive manner <laughs> so you have to live with that you know the bigger problem with co-founders are oh you know what this is a co-founder let's just uh, kind of tolerate him that should not be the approach it should be okay let's understand each other let's try and figure out it's almost like a marriage so 
you you need to resolve your issues and you need to very quickly understand each other so at a personal level that's very important at a professional level i always say that co-founding team and immediately after that whatever team should be such that if hypothetically all the employees leave the company you should be able to still run the small size operation so so unless you do not have that like a lot of tech driven startups come to us saying we are working on this i come from e-commerce background and i have a lot of experience into that and i can do things and i have outsourced my entire software team the, to this particular company while i don't have any problem with that but if you don't have a tech co-founder when your tech plays important role then if you remove this outsourcing company in total you will not be able to run that operation so i always say that co-founding team and the immediately after that whatever hires you have they together should be able to execute the smaller size operation of your startup so you should always look for that kind of a co-founder well, other series of co-founders yeah absolutely no i totally agree i think um having that uh, a co-founder that really compliments you and they can they understand what you're going through um, like you mentioned entrepreneurship is ups and downs and lefts and rights and it's uh, it's a crazy journey but um, even particularly recently uh, with the pandemic uh, we talked a little bit off air but uh, how has the pandemic affected you uh, could be professionally or personally the last uh, four or five months uh, since I have gone through three cycles of ups and downs around 2000 and then 2009, 10, and then 2015, I kind of have become fearless uh, uh, in the sense that I don't get scared of the situation. I, I always find uh, good avenues and good opportunities uh, during these tough times. And, and you know, in, 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 in business startup world, there's something called value of death, you know? And I always say that a startup at every stage will go through value of death in its own way. It's not that early stage will go through value of death and be successful. You may go to the next stage and there, there may be a small value of death. And that value of death may be for different reasons. And pandemic is another kind of a value of death and you have to come out of that side of it. I am seeing a lot of startups which essentially um, are affected because of this, have been very open to their employees and colleagues. They have told them, this is the situation, we need you, we may not be able to pay your salaries, but in next six months, things are gonna go to the, to the positive side of uh, you know, business. Why don't you help us? They have created different plans in terms of ESOPs and equity restructuring and stuff like that. And they are able to strengthen their product. You know, because you know, when you talk about startup, the investor will be like, okay, I'm giving you money. In next 12 months, what will you do out of it? How will you generate a revenue? And many a times you will find many of the startups, more than 70% of the startups will develop something and start deploying it. And there'll be multiple issues in that product, right? And since you keep getting money infused, you keep growing the business, but a lot of times you don't get the time to just relax and see, look at the product, make changes, and go to the next stage. Uh, one of my friends, uh, his name is Ray DePaul, and um, Calgary, one of the biggest influencers in startup ecosystem, he, he termed pandemic as unfortunate gift of time. Mm. And I love that. It's unfortunate gift of time. 
make use of this time because your investors will not push you for revenue <laughs> they will but they will not push you for revenue they'll say okay survive strengthen your product so you really have unfortunate gift of time make use of this time strengthen your product so pandemic really has not affected me much mentally uh, from the strategy point of view many of the startups i am part of or the companies i am part of um i kind of have spoken to them i've told them what may be the better strategy to manage this and people who will survive this pandemic will definitely um come out stronger uh, and look at uh, the other side of things you know more than 40 to 50% of your competition who may not be able to survive is something wherein you will be in the rest of that uh, 50% lot so your competition will be much lesser absolutely if you uh I guess the survival of the fittest. <laughs> Whoever yeah. survives gets kind of the lion's share of uh, of uh, whatever's available. But um, yeah, it's interesting. The new normal. What's gonna What's gonna look like? Um, I guess stepping back though. What's how's Calgary changed, or even entrepreneurship uh, changed in Calgary from when you first started to to where we are today? So last one and a half years, I have seen a drastic change in Calgary's mindset. Uh, number one, what I have seen is, is, so you need to understand a very important aspect that Calgary or these kind of a similar, uh, you know, cities, um, you not not only need a reason to start a company or survive and support from the government, but also need the external world to start looking at you. What I have seen in last one and a half years is, North American markets like US and all. European uh, you know, ecosystems have started coming to Calgary. Uh, places like Platform Calgary, places like uh, Tech Edmonton have, have created a kind of a open innovation and startup ecosystem, wherein a lot of external ecosystems have started coming in. We need to also understand one aspect. Calgary, in that sense, is very, uh, the proximity to Vancouver and Seattle and Bay Area also helps you. You know, so, so I, what I have seen in terms of not only change in the mindset of uh, entrepreneurs and investors, I've seen change in the mindset of big ecosystems as well as large corporates who have started uh, helping and supporting these startups. And which is, which is something which was required and which is something which I really admire. That's number one. Number two, I have... I've seen a lot of capital infusion at the early stage in the last one and a half years. A lot of good uh, angels who may not be seasoned entrepreneur, but who may have made money by being part of large corporates and all. They have started infusing money in the startups, which is extremely important because seed level investment is important. Uh, organizations like NACO, National Angel Capital Organization, last year they did their startup uh, event in Calgary. You know, so all these players have started looking into it. Last one and a half years, I've seen at least six funds coming into the picture. And there are specific funds. One of my friends runs this fund called AIOT Health, which is a health and tech fund. So, so I think from investment point of view, I'm seeing a lot of progress. From ecosystem point of view, I'm seeing a lot of progress. 
from corporate venturing point of view, I'm seeing a lot of progress. And from government support point of view, I'm seeing a lot of progress. I, I think you know that Alberta is one of those provinces where you have something called micro vouchers. Uh, uh, you know, um, Alberta Innovates gives, gives it to you. So if you apply and if they like it, then you will I kind of get up to 10,000. I mean, be, uh, the numbers may not be exactly correct, but up to $10,000 to to create your IP and market research study. And if everything goes fine, then you get an additional $100,000. Wow. Uh, and you don't get it, your like home server is working, um, your vendor works, gets it. But, you know, these kind of avenues and these kind of uh, support from government is also extremely, extremely needed. So I think that way Alberta has all the right kind of a constituent. And then you, you have, you might be hearing about companies which during pandemic have raised money. We as Atabotics have raised money. There are three, four more companies which have raised money. Companies uh, like Benevity. And so there are, you also need, when I, I, when I was in India, one of the companies called Flipkart, into e-commerce became so huge. They raised like, I think overall a billion dollars. And then they were acquired in $18 billion by Walmart. That one company changed the entire startup culture because of that company, thousands of e-commerce companies started flourishing around e-commerce, supply chain, logistics, analytics started happening. You know, you need one or two such, uh, you know, case studies, for example, in Canada, Shopify. And there are several other uh, good uh, case studies. And I think Alberta is going in the right direction. There are at least five winners who in the next probably one year or two years will become multicons. And I kind of, there's a new term called Sunicon. Sunicon is soon to become unicorns. So there are multiple <laughs> Sunicons, which is, which, is, which is important. You need role models. Absolutely. And hopefully uh, Adabox will be one of those Sunicons uh, in the near future. <laughs> I mean, but... <laughs> But uh, what's, what's something that uh, you're curious about right now? I know everybody's talking about pandemic, new normal, but for you personally, what's something that you're, you're really curious about? Mental health of an entrepreneur. Mm. Uh, COVID has been tough. You know, entrepreneurs also draw the energy by interacting with people, talking to people. I know, you know, Zoom and uh, Teams and everything, you can talk, but you cannot get that kind of, you know, uh, feel or vibe when you meet person. I, I, I personally, in last two weeks, I have started meeting a lot of people over coffee and all. And I'm so happy. I'm so happy when I meet those guys. Like one of my uh, friends who is, uh, uh, who is part of the uh, immigration and the startup ecosystem, uh, Hyder and I was meeting him uh, 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 in a couple of days back and I felt so good. We, we were chatting with each other, but when we met, it was a different kind of a vibe. So I think the mental health of the entrepreneur has taken a bit of a toll because of, you know, they were always alone at times, but now because of COVID that has happened. So I think I'm worried about that. Extremely worried when you talk about the startup ecosystem. And other part of it is, is uh, definitely the investment scenario to whatever extent it was going uh, may not be the same. So everybody will have to start thinking about not only during pandemic, but post pandemic, there may be another financial pandemic that is, <laughs> that is going to come. So I'm only worried about these two aspects and it's more 
it's more psychological and i think we all will have to ensure that uh, we take care of the friends and entrepreneurs who are doing things so we need to support them no, absolutely i think that's super important mental health i mean i always say mental health is wealth um that's the only type of wealth but uh i'm not that's that's totally totally um important um one other thing i wanted to ask you was uh what sort of um I know you mentioned mentors and co-founders, but has there been anything you've read or even listened to that's really inspired you? Oh yeah, I mean, I I, I go through a lot of autobiographies and biographies of uh, uh, successful founders and even the failures. So that that inspires me a lot. Uh, just like any other uh, entrepreneur, I I love uh, Steve Jobs and what he has done. Uh, I think um, many of the people may not agree with uh, with them, but I do. Uh, I I have uh, had opportunity to interact with a lot of successful uh, entrepreneurs who exited, and I could um, you know get a lot of advice and insights from them. That's another important aspect. And just by networking, and networking is the key. I mean close to 15 years back when I was like five years old in entrepreneurship world, uh, a mentor came and told me, you need to connect to at least one person every day and network them. It doesn't matter whether every day you're doing it, but on an average, every day, one person, even if you are connecting somebody through LinkedIn, you need to ensure you talk to them. You just not disconnect. And that has been my mantra. I have, 30,000 connects in LinkedIn and you can only have 30,000 connects and after that you can have followers and I'm more than 90% of them. I have interacted with them in some sort of others. So um, um, networking also helps you learn a lot of things faster. So I've, I've been, uh, um, I mean, there are a lot of inspirational, uh, you know, um, uh, discussions which I have had directly or indirectly with founders. And I mean, think about uh, Atabotics, the founder, Scott. When I met him for the first time, we were supposed to meet for half an hour. We ended up having that day, the discussion for eight hours. What? Wow. You're know, we like talking, 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 and the next day again. And I, I got inspired from him. Like he's an awesome guy. So inspiration doesn't only come from role models like Steve Jobs and uh, those kind of people, but also from uh, from from uh, the ecosystem and you meet them and you learn a lot of things. So yeah, it has been inspiration, but books have played a very important role. I read a lot of books and that has helped me, uh, you know, increase my knowledge base, so to say. Awesome. Not to put you on the spot, but uh, what has been your favorite book uh, you've read so far? Uh, Steve Jobs, all okay. all the books, whatever Steve Jobs books. Whatever Steve Jobs. <laughs> I've, I've, I've read every possible book, even if those books have not been bestsellers, but I've read those books. So anything you pick up for Steve Jobs is something which I have, uh, I, I greatly admire, you know. Uh, apart from that, uh, a lot of management books, I like it, uh, but they may not be necessarily around startups, but around management, I, I, I do admire that, but uh, my personal favorites have been all the books which have been on Steve Jobs. Awesome. Um, I only have a few more questions here for you, sure. Niraj. Um, 
one thing I always get into discussions with of peers and just other entrepreneurs are um, the myths behind entrepreneurship. So I'm curious to get your perspective. What are kind of the, or what is the biggest myth about entrepreneurship that uh, you wish would be debunked? I think one of the myths about entrepreneurship is, uh, I guess that, you know, finding a co-founder is easy. <laughs> That's one of the first myths which I've seen. Like starting up is tough. I know that. But one of the most important myths is, oh, I have an idea. Let me start and I'll find an entrepreneur. This is a myth. Finding an entrepreneur is tougher than starting a company. <laughs> so that's that's the first thing uh, which I I feel is a myth about startup or entrepreneurship. Uh, second one is that you know if you have a good amount of revenue, you will definitely get funded. Is a myth. Mm. You know, the right kind of money is not something which is only the function of your revenue is a function of cumulative set of things, your product, your vision, your gap, market need, your ability to penetrate that market and the revenue, which are early stage, some people who are verifying that and validating it. You know, validation, you always go for a low hanging fruits, people whom you know, and they will support you. But beyond that, it becomes tougher and tougher. You know, so the another myth is that if you have a, have a good amount of revenue, uh, you will be successful is a wrong uh, uh, way of approaching startup. You know, you should have revenue. Revenue is the most important kicker. But beyond revenue, you need to also understand that the moment you become successful, there are, you look at any trend, any company that has raised more than 10 to $20 million in particular domain, within next three months, you will see like 100 more companies getting acquired at different stages in the same domain. Right? So, so thinking that my revenue and the current revenue is going to make me successful is a myth. You have to think about every as possible aspect because remember there's another better entrepreneur than you who may be thinking to solve the problem in a different way, but who may be able to approach it in much efficient way. So that's a myth. That's the second thing. And third myth is, is that, you know, just keep working on everything. Don't think about, uh, about other process in terms of your cap table structure and all those sort of thing. It's a myth. If you think that you will be able to solve those issues at the later stages, if you commit huge mistakes at the early stages, it's going to haunt you and it's going to cost you a lot. So you need to, as an entrepreneur, learn about those aspects as well, which may not be immediately needed, but understanding what kind of a board you want, understanding what kind of equity structure you want, even not only the current stage, but after series A, B, C, all those things have to be taken care of. It's a myth that later on you can have best of the law firms and they will sort things, these things out. No, you need to look at those aspects right from the very beginning. No, I love that you say that because many entrepreneurs, even first time founders just don't know what they don't know. So um, having that awareness that you need to know about these things, at least maybe you don't need it right now, but down the line, it's really important. Yeah. I mean, you look at one simple thing, one simple thing, founders agreement. I can tell you today, more than 50% of the startups globally won't be having founders agreement if they're more than one founder. Mm -hmm. Founders agreement is one of the most important aspect you should have. You should have a founders agreement in place. So, so, you know, 
all these myths that things will be better at the later stages as i said when you'll be you'll be start becoming successful things will start haunting you if whatever you have done in the past so ensure that all those things are right and that's why i will say you should definitely have a lawyer who is your advisor <laughs> in your company uh, you should definitely have a chartered accountant or a cfo even if you cannot afford him make him your advisor in your company all these things will help you later on and investors like us always like if entrepreneurs have that understanding because you remember one thing the only thing you have in your startup is your equity if you don't like your equity if you don't love your equity if you're not passionate about your equity i'm scared that what will happen later on <laughs> so, yes. so you need to you need to have all the right kind of tools and understanding of how you will run your company and how you will uh, kind of assign those equities and what kind of things you have in mind uh, for your for your cap table and this structure part of it absolutely i'm sure you like you mentioned you've interacted with many entrepreneurs um, they probably ask you tons of questions but Maybe what's one question that you never get asked that you wish you would be asked? Uh, probably, uh, what is going to be your sales strategy after Series A, and how will you manage it? Um, many a times, you know, two people who who always are missing in many of the good startups are sales and marketing guys. You will find a passionate tech entrepreneur who will start thinking about creating something which is like Twitter or Facebook or Shopify, you know, and you will love them. They have understanding of it. They know how to build it. There is a market need. You'll find another person who will probably will be a, a, a decent business guy. But sales and marketing functions, at times people don't understand that these are two different functions. At times they don't understand how they're aligned. At times, they do not understand what kind of a people they require in sales and marketing. Uh, I learned the hard way. I failed. Then again, I started doing it. I find, I always say I'm one of the best sales guys, but it was not the case 15 years back. I learned it. But I think the founder is the best sales guy. And even if you can hire the right kind of person, you should know what exactly you need in that particular person. So. I think this is the time when the investor should start asking about who is your sales guy and who is your marketing person. Even if you cannot hire right now, you should have the understanding of it. These are the two functions which are extremely important uh, for a product to be successful. Absolutely. You got, you got to have your top cheerleaders, <laughs> cheerleader vision. But uh, yeah, no, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. I really appreciate you being on. Where can our listeners connect with you online? Um, uh, I'm sorry, you can come again. What do you say? Uh, where can our listeners connect with you online? Uh, you, if they want to connect with me, you mean to say? Yeah. Um, I have my LinkedIn. You can search me at Neeraj Gupta and Adabotics and you will find me. Uh, I have a Twitter um, handle. Uh, if you type Neeraj Gupta and Adabotics, you'll find me. These are the two best ways to connect with me uh, uh, if they can. Apart from that, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, you can get in touch with me at neeraj at atabotics.com and I'll try my best to respond back as soon as possible. Awesome. 
I really appreciate that. I usually like to end the podcast with the guest saying a quote, a story, or a question for the audience. So my last question to you is if you have any quotes, stories, or even a question to leave the audience uh, remembering you. The only thing which I can um, suggest for all the entrepreneurs is even if you are going to start or if you have already started, ask yourself, why did you start that company? or why you are going to start that startup. The job, this is the best opportunity for me to start the entrepreneurship, or you know, this space is hot and I can do better. Ask yourself really why you want to start this company and what will you do after two or three years down the line? And what will be, what, I mean, you need to envision um, about why you started this company and what do you want to achieve from this? And there's no thumb rule. It can be uh, intellectual satisfaction. It can be financial satisfaction. It can be hundred different things, but ask yourself and remember that all the time. So that's the only suggestion I can uh, um, give. And the second suggestion is network, network, and network. <laughs> I appreciate that, Raj. <laughs>